This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Welcome to the program. 888 back is the phone number. Uh, Pat is uh, out again. Uh, why is Pat out again? Um, well, uh, he, I didn't want to get the plague. That's He's been taking medicine. For one day. Like, well, it should be good. That's what they always say to you. Uh, it should be about 24 hours. You won't yeah, be contagious. 24 hours. You're fine. Take the medicine. Get back to work. That's not what they say. They say you won't be contagious in 24 hours. However, like, what if it's instead of 24, it's 28 on Pat, and then we get sick? I'm no, I don't want to get out. I told him, get out. <laughs> I talked to him like I normally talk to you when you're healthy. Uh, so he will. Well, uh, it did sound like that kind of thing. Yeah, I think he's going to, tr- you know, he tried to, he made through uh, quite the trooper to make it through the radio show today, but uh, he, he's going to be out for Pat and Stu today. I don't know if we'll be here tomorrow, um, but, uh, but we'll see. Um, he wanted to get in. I mean, it was a big day last night. Gorsuch, uh, the uh, Supreme Court nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we said, uh, we, I mean, we got into the final three. Honestly, uh, I was worried about Hardiman, um, who was one of the final three. Uh, Prior or Gorsuch, I would have been okay with. You know, I would have been. Uh, I would have been okay with it to the point of like it's much, much. Honestly, even Hardiman would have been better than I actually expected from Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, but because at least he had a chance to be conservative. Um, but you know, he was the one that I was nervous about because his record was. He does seem like he's generally speaking conservative, but more more centrist uh, than I'd like, and also a record that was a little thin. Um, where uh, Gorsuch uh, it was my favorite of the three. He has, I think, a libertarian seeing, streak, which I really liked. Uh, go ahead. No, after seeing uh, how many people are all upset uh, about uh, Trump's pick, I like him. If they're that upset, uh, yeah. all wound up about him, that means I, I like him. <laughs> Let's get him in. It's an in-depth analysis by Jeff. He's yeah, as deep as you go, it. typically. Um, but, I mean, people, I find it to be... Real, first of all, I'm really happy about the pick. Let's start, let's start there. Of the finalists, he was my favorite of the three. Um, uh, I, he was one, I think he's in the upper echelon of that list uh, of 21. That was, you know, again, his second attempt at coming up with a list to pick off of. Um, but I was happy with the list. I know how the list was built. Uh, we've talked to the people, uh, many of which who built it. Uh, and were, you know, they had favorites in there. Some they were not so uh, happy with. 
Um, you know, but you make compromises when you're making a list like right. that. And one thing I think Trump said, which is actually true and, and was definitely a talking point because I heard several people in the administration repeat it, is this is probably the most transparent process for a Supreme Court justice in history. I mean, the fact yeah. and I, I hope this is a precedent that is set. I hope Trump has set this precedent for every president going forward, saying, here's a list of 21. Look through them. I'm going to pick off of that list. You don't have to pick exactly who the person is. You don't have to uh, do anything like that. But you give a general, generally speaking. Where um, your head's uh, at. Yeah. I mean, and, and you promise to stick to that list. Um, now, remember, Trump initially kind of had a list of a few. And then, uh, then that one kind of got tossed to the side. But he stuck to this. It was a well-constructed list, a lot of good names on there. He picked a good name off the list. It wasn't even, like, the worst name on the list, which would be another thing you might fear. And a couple of the people that, uh, you know, we trust, like Lee, Ted Cruz, Mm -hmm. they were very happy about the pick. Very happy about the pick. And, uh, you know, and this is when it comes back to um, a lot of people who were big Trump supporters are now, like, for whatever reason, in this moment of triumph for the country, are focused on who said a year ago that Donald Trump wouldn't pick the right person. And I guess, like, I get the gloating thing, certainly. Like, I mean, you know, uh, gloating's fun. Um, It's a weird place to go to me because this is a real, this is a, it's a different moment to me because it's a, it's a, it's a moment for the country and a moment for conservatism. Um, So I don't know why that would be the place you jump to. Um, But it's an interesting thing to watch in that, like, why did we support Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, uh, Bobby Jindal, um, you know some of these other names um, that right. that wound up being in the in the uh, in the primary. Jim Gilmore. Uh, yeah, uh, Jim Gilmore. Uh, um, why did we do that? The reason we did that is think of the process you go through. Analyze it for just a moment. It, look internally. When you have a candidate who is in a large group of, of other candidates, you look at them and you say, "What's their history? What do they stand for? What have they done?" You look at that history and you try to analyze in your brain, your brain does this all by itself, what person there has the best percentage chance to do the things that I think are good for the country? That I think. That I think are good for the country. Now, if you are a person who likes Trumpism as a whole, um, then obviously Donald Trump's your guy. But I mean, I disagree with large swaths of it. The decision was, who do you think is going to be uh, the uh, Supreme Court justice. Um, he said he was going to name a conservative judge. I saw nothing in his history br- br- as previous to when he started trying to please conservatives in this campaign that would indicate anything other than the fact that he would probably pick someone who was going to do his own, own bidding in the Supreme Court um, that would do what he wanted, a friend, uh, an associate. Um, and what he did is pick someone who I think is a really good choice. Uh, that doesn't displease me. That doesn't mean me say, oh, darn it, I was wrong. It's the last thing on my mind. I'm happy to be wrong. I want to be wrong on everything with Donald Trump. And hopefully that's the case. That hasn't been the case so far. I mean, we, I mean some of the things he's done, I really think are, are, are bad uh, policies and choices. But generally speaking, um, you know, he's done a lot of good things. I think a lot of his appointments have been good. We praise them as they've come out, and the, the, the good ones. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, that is... What I would want. I think we got what we wanted. You, the, the odd thing here is we got what we wanted, too. You know, 
People are like, oh, yeah, we got, you know, Trump, sh- shut you up. Trump gave me what I was oh, asking for. What I, the reason I wanted Cruz there in the first place is to do what Trump did with the Supreme Court. And it's only one example of it, but that's one of the reasons. Sure. He, I mean, in a way, Donald Trump, who spent his whole life uh, as, a, as a, you know, obviously a liberal guy, generally speaking. Um, we've covered that history and over, overall. He came to us. We wanted Ted Cruz to name a constitutionalist to the Supreme Court. Donald Trump, who would not have done that five years ago, even, I think, to his own admission, now did it. And the fact that he came and came to essentially the same type of decision Ted Cruz came to is not something I feel defeated about. I feel very happy about it. And uh, it's a weird thing that people can't seem to understand. And so does he. I mean, he was happy to say, yeah. be able to say that, uh, you know, he kept his word. Uh, you know, it's transparent. And to be fair, uh, we've said all along that uh, the way to uh, get us to vote for Trump would be for him to have a great first four years and we'd vote yeah. for him the second time around. Yeah. So, a- we're, I mean, we want him to succeed. Yeah, the way to get me to vote for Donald Trump was right. him to win without my vote in 2016 and then earn it in 2020 right. because I, you know, I, he got a clean slate from me. I, you know, we don't just throw these things out there. I really mean it. I mean, I honestly really mean that I'm going to judge these things by their merits. I told you just a couple of days ago that the immigration rollout was a disaster. He did not do a good job with it. He, uh, he should have informed, uh, it, it, uh, more, um, intensely the people who are responsible. They should have had a list of people who are exempt before they implemented the policy. That is not too much to ask. He did, But we also defended him and said what the media is saying about the policy is not right. true. And now Gorsuch comes out. If he had named Hardiman, we would have come on today and said, I'm very nervous about this. Um, he, you know, how he might very well be a Roberts. It seems like, well, that's what Hardiman is, um, which is not... It's still that's still way better than I was hoping for. So, I mean, I I would still give him some credit for exceeding my expectations, but he did more than that here and he deserves credit. And it's a great pick. I've seen no one who was never Trump, for example, for reasons that he was, you know, not 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 conservative enough. I've seen none of those people who said they were standing on principle say this guy sucks. This pick sucks. It's because they were telling you the truth. They actually were standing on principle and believed it. And so when he does the thing that proves part of that analysis incorrect, they just admit it. Isn't that what you want out of people? Don't yes. you want as some, out of people who are just going to be honest and say, look, I have, this is where the, the, the problem areas are with Trump. I don't want someone who's, gonna, who's going to sugarcoat everything that's happened in this guy's life. And you know what? If you did do that and everyone fell in the line on that, you might not get these choices. You need people who are constantly pressing him from the conservative side to get things like this to happen. And I hope it continues. No kidding. Now, that having been said, um, watching him last night, oh, um, his little walk-up and the standing ovation and the uh, reading from the teleprompter. Yeah, do we have any of the video of that uh, today? Um, I know that he thinks he's getting better. I get the impression Ooh. that he thinks he's getting better. I don't think he is. Uh, you mean as far as being, I mean, he really kind of blew the announcement. Yeah. Me? And that was, yeah. uh, I, I noticed, I, I did tune into uh, some uh, programs uh, last night to kind of see the coverage um, and people who were favorable to yeah. Trump. Lots of editing going on uh, of the announcement because he kind of stumbled over it and oh, like, repeated yeah. himself. And look, I mean, it's not a I, know, I don't care I about know, that. I, I defended. It just you know, drives me insane. It drives me nuts. I, 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 don't, I don't like his, the way he, I don't like the fact that he doesn't, 
seem to speak the English language particularly well. It bothered me with Bush. It bothers me with Trump. Um, I don't like, uh, you know, uh, the way he handles these things often. However, I can deal with a president who does good things, and I, I just can't watch him. You know what I mean? If, if it comes down to, like, he, you know, Trump and his mannerisms and his, his style bothers me, I just won't watch well, it, doing, yeah. and I'll be happy with the fact that our taxes are lower and we have a good Supreme Court justice <laughs> and, you know, everything. Hopefully that's what happens. Um, and hopefully, you know, he's made a lot of promises, and I will say he's at least following through with the things he said. The problem is a lot of the things he promised I don't like. Um, and at some point, he's going to start doing massive changes in trade policy, and I'm going to have real problems with it. And yep. we, you want us to come in here and lie to you about it? I don't think the answer to that is yes. Uh, you know, so whatever. I mean, we'll just have to cross those. I mean, the, there's no option for you here. This is not choose your own adventure. You're just going to get us blabbering what we think is the truth either way. So uh, I do apologize for that if you don't like it. Um, there is uh, here is um, this is interesting. Gorsuch was he was a circuit court judge uh, and had to be confirmed in 2006. Uh, here are some of the names of the senators you might recognize who voted for him. He was, it was an unanimous vote. I think it was 95 to 0. Patrick Leahy, Dianne Feinstein, Patty Murray, Ron Wyden, Dick Durbin, Jack Reed, Chuck Schumer is a big one, who's, of course, opposing him now. Bill Nelson, Tom Carper, Debbie Stabenow, Maria Cantwell, and Bob Menendez. I start with the bottom list because the top list is so much fun. Wasn't it Durbin who said that he didn't, it wouldn't matter who it was? He wouldn't, it was yeah, I mean, they were going to oppose him anyway. And yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't even, I can't fault him for that, to be perfectly honest. But the final four, by the way, yeah. John Kerry, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama as a senator all voted <laughs> uh, for this guy. Because, I mean, look, his that's qualifications different. are impeccable. I mean, yeah, you know. It's different for when you're talking about this. And I think dude, that's fair. Uh, I honestly, yeah, I, I honestly I, think that that's a fair, fair standard. Yeah. I mean, it is a different role. You're going to have a much higher standard for a Supreme Court justice. Uh, you know, and, and, I, and because of the way Republicans handled the... Um, uh, the Merrick Garland uh, nomination. Right. Um, I am not at dumb. all surprised that they are acting this way. To be fair, they would act this way anyway. They're I using the so Merrick too. Garland that's, thing as that's an excuse. The problem. And so I don't, but I mean, I still think the right thing to do is give Garland a hearing. We said that um, all along. Yeah, I mean, just because I think he should why do it. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I just don't, I never understood why we made such a big deal. Right, just do, you uh, have control of the Senate. man made such a big deal of, well, we're not, never going to Yeah, do you that. have control of the Senate, just do the Stop hearing it. and then vote no. Right. You know, it's not. Right, do the process. Right, I mean, I think I, that's what I would have wanted to, to do, but, I, but I'm fine with uh, the way they handled it, um, you know, uh, as far as results go, certainly. I mean, it's a, it's a really positive result. There was a theory, though, that I heard. I don't know where I heard about the Garland thing. Is that they were they, the reason that they didn't do that, though, is because uh, they didn't go through the process because they were worried that it might actually. Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, that was yesterday. This has yeah, okay. been my fear from the beginning. I, I buy that, and, and I, I think it's that. very possible. But the idea is. Uh, if they put Garland up there for a hearing, you'd get enough people who the whiny yeah. Susan Collins version of Republican who would cross the aisle and vote for him. Well, he's fine. And he's so, do OK. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they didn't good. even want to go that far, which is understandable and sure possibly is. true. However, it's still the, it's still the process. I mean, I don't know what the line is on that. I mean, that was February of the election year. What if it had happened right. the previous June? I mean, you wouldn't have been able to. How long can you hold out? I know. I don't know. I to don't me, know. I'd rather just have the hearings and you have the votes. And, and you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, I think they probably would have won, but who knows? You're yeah, right. I I, I, there's enough spineless Republicans that I think that's what they're defending about. Absolutely. The other part of this, though, is they never, the Democrats never put their full heart into pushing for Garland. And you say, well, you know, now they're all, they're acting as if it was the biggest, the worst thing that's ever happened. But when it was going on, 
Yes, they acted. Uh, they complained about it a little bit. But they don't did. worry about but it. it was Hillary's going to win, and we'll be fine. That's what they thought. Yeah. They thought Hillary was going to win, and then they'd get somebody better. So they didn't really go to the mat for Garland. Remember, Garland was a uh, a moderate choice. They decided, yeah. well, you know, we're going to get fought like crazy. Which is why the theory of him sneaking through is actually pretty good. Yeah. Because they, they, they would have thought, well, he's fine. Right. And, I, you know, I, there would have also been people who were so negative on Trump and thinking he wasn't going to pick a good pick for conservatives that they might have been like, you know what? Who knows what Trump's going to do? Let's go. Let's just uh, get Merrick Garland in it's there. It's in, not yeah. impossible. So, no, I mean, I, not. I think results wise, it was the right strategy. I just don't like the process of it. I don't like the st- I don't like the precedent it sets. I don't I don't like any of that. I mean, it's you know, oh, I'm with you. look, it wasn't a month. If it happened in October, everybody would understand. It happened in February. You had a whole year to give the guy you know, what a is hearing. It, three months, maybe four months. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really. I mean, I'm asking seriously. I think, I mean, legitimately, three four months, right? Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, maybe even less. I mean, look, the bottom line is, uh, they should probably have a vote on it. I mean, do your job. That's what we sent you there for. Do your do job. I, 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 look, the problem is this is what happens when you're Barack Obama and you've done such a poor job that uh, you lose the Senate. You know, I right. mean, that's really, they do have the right to, they don't, I, I, be clear, they don't have to vote on Merrick Garland. They don't. I mean, they don't have, there's no constitutional, um, all it says is they should, re, they should do it, but they don't have to do it right away. There's no time limit on it. So uh, sure. they are in an okay constitutional ground. I just don't. I don't like it. Look good. I don't yeah. like it, and I don't like the precedent. I mean, the same thing's going to obviously happen to Republicans now. And everybody, every freaking time you get in there, every time your party gets control or the other party gets control, they take one little step away from the Constitution, yeah. and these things just constantly add up. Um, so I don't like that. However, I am thrilled with this result if he's able to get through. Now, we should point Hope this so. out. We're two weeks into this presidency. Well, there's been positives and negatives. I think there's been a mixed bag so far. This is a big positive, and it's going to earn him lots of uh, brownie points. And a, a lot of people will overlook some of the bad things he's going to do because of this, and that's fine. Um, I think that you know it's it's up to you to make your judgment on how much weight you put on it. But we are two weeks in, so you can't give him Reagan's presidency yet. No, you way. need to understand that. Uh, number two, the man hasn't been confirmed yet. Part of this might very well be that Trump has to fight for it. My, I'm sort of currently under the impression that. He's going to get through because they realize it's Scalia replaced with another conservative. Let's hold our big fight until next, next time in case Kennedy or uh, uh, Ginsburg or somebody else, right. Breyer, whoever, uh, winds up stepping down. So I, I kind of think this might be a little bit easier than, than we think it will be, but who knows. Um, but, you know, so there's two other steps to this. You know, it, it's getting the nomination, which is step one, fighting for the nomination, getting him confirmed, which is step two. And then step three, him actually working out. Just because I think right now he's going to work out does not mean that he's going to work out. He has held up pretty good, though. I mean, the, what, his past history. No, no, his history is uh, fine. Like, yeah. on paper, he's a good candidate. Yeah. But again, like, if you're, if you're an NBA GM and you say, on paper, he played well at Duke, and then he comes in and scores four points a game and shoots 25%, you don't, no one's like, well, he looked like a good guy at Duke. You get judged by what the result is, and the result will be just like Bush deserves. Yeah. Um, he deserves uh, criticism. For the Roberts pick. Absolutely. I think he deserves credit for the Alito pick. Um, and the same thing happens Trump here. This. Trump owns this he one. Has to, yes. um, and, you know, he, this is part, one of the biggest parts of your job. He was given this job to, uh, one of the things to, to, uh, to uh, appoint a Supreme Court justice. If it doesn't work out and the guy becomes uh, Justice Souter, well, that's going to be on Trump and nobody else. I mean, we're all going to sit here and say, well, I supported him and I'll admit it. But, I mean, it's his choice, obviously. 
Um, you know, I, I know Ben Shapiro, um, who, who is a you know really smart guy. We've had him on the show uh, many times. He uh, was very positive on this pick. He was a you know never Trump type of guy, um, and uh, and said this was a very good pick. Again, showing you that he's also making decisions based on principle instead of personality. Uh, one of the strangest accusations we always get is like, you just hate him, or you're just jealous, or your ego's too big. Uh-huh. Our ego's too big. We're on national television and radio telling you we were wrong. My, uh-huh. ego's, my ego, I look in the mirror every day. My ego doesn't exist, okay? I know, I, I, that the ego, it's, ugh. It's been destroyed since the time mirrors existed. It's just not, it's not, it's not there. That being Not mine, though, Stu. Well, your ego's huge, uh, along with other things. Um, but here's the thing. Shapiro was skeptical of Roberts when he was named. There were very few Republicans who were. Ben Shapiro was one of the very few uh, who said, "This does not, I'm scared because he might wind up making some bad decisions. We right. don't have enough record on him. And, and that obviously proved to be true. But he's supportive of Gorsuch. So that's good, and it's a good sign coming from a good source. Um, and, uh, you know, look, I think this is a good pick. Let's go into some of the details on this here on the other side of the break. Mm. Um, and there's a couple things. I mean, there are times where you look at this guy and you're like, he may be better than Scalia in some ways. That's difficult. Scalia's my favorite justice. I, I love reading his I stuff. Thought a lot I love interviews an with an him. I heard an interview with uh, Mike Lee last night. And, uh, well, we can talk about it on the other side. But he was, I thought of you because he was talking about how well uh, he loved reading uh, oh. Gorsuch's opinions. Yeah, Gorsuch and, uh, Gorsuch and, uh, and Scalia both yeah. write with a similar kind of, like, attitude, yeah. which I just like, you know. Um, you know, my, uh, my, my favorite uh, Gorsuch uh, quote, um, uh, let's see if I can dig it up here. Um, here we go. Uh, the fundamental problem with our negative commerce clause cases is that the Constitution does not contain a negative commerce clause. <laughs> <laughs> now, look. That's the fundamental problem. That is the fundamental problem is the thing we're talking about doesn't exist. <laughs> I like that because, yeah. I mean, you know, this is somebody who does not just create things in the Constitution that aren't there. He it's hates that stuff, and that's one of the best things about it. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. 888-727-BECK is our phone number. If you want to get in and you want to, you want to brag to us about how smart you were about Donald Trump and how he's going to pick a great justice and how dumb we are because we didn't recognize it, this is a good day for it. Call us up, 888-727-BECK. Uh, for now, let's take a positive step towards self-reliance. My Patriot Supply is our sponsor this half hour. We love the people at My Patriot Supply. They do a great job for our, for our listeners. And honestly, that's the relationship um, we have with our clients. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to have clients who are coming in here and saying, hey, uh, here, you should buy this product. And then you call them and you get, you know, a, a bad deal or uh, you don't get the customer service you want or you, the product shows up and it's not as it was described. Uh, my Patriot Supply takes care of us like that. They take care of the listeners, and they love our listeners. I mean, they're constantly saying how great the people that listen to this show and the rest of the shows here on The Blaze are. Uh, the food that they deliver to you is as promised. It tastes delicious, and it lasts up to 25 years. You- it does? 25 whole years? It's actually Because I have never seen that happen. No, well, that's because you eat it on day one, Jimmy. That's not... I, I mean, it, can't... I haven't seen it last... Two or three days. Jeffy, they don't mean that it's not going to be eaten. Forget it. Get four weeks of easy-to-prepare food supply. This is going to knock out 95 to 99% of all possible emergencies and contingencies you want to plan for. And it's only $99, uh, plus free shipping as well. 
888-411-5290 or preparewiththeblaze.com. David Chalian from uh, CNN, who's, uh, who's pretty good uh, as far as analysis goes. I, I, I like listening to him on CNN. Um, he said that uh, Supreme Court nominee Neil, Neil Gorsuch is so qualified that Democrats um, in Trump states will be highly pressured to confirm his nomination. And they probably won't even need the nuclear option for Gorsuch. That's, that's interesting. Uh, the comments came while panelists were mulling over the possibility of Democrats blocking the Supreme Court nomination. You know, they will block it. Oh, but, They're no. going to block it. I don't think. But I don't. Know, I don't know. Are they? You're, you're saying they won't. You're saying why block it? You know, with the, I mean the usual. Hey, we don't like this guy, but yeah, they're all going to say he's much. horrible, and but, and they're going to get. They're going to get th- at least 39 people uh, in the Senate to say he's horrible, and I can't vote for him. The question is because the the all every California senator, uh, every uh, Oregon senator, every Washington senator is going to say. You know, look, I think he's the worst person on earth because it helps them in their states. But Joe Manchin in West Virginia is going to be under extreme pressure to vote for him. So they'll probably get at least a few of those votes. And and that's fine. I'd be interested to see if they do, if this is, uh, you're saying they'll wait to go up against Trump. But I don't think, I don't know how much, how much energy Trump wants to put on this fight. You know what I mean? I think I, I get, the, so I get the impression. I, I know, but I get the impression that this is kind of like he thinks his fight is done now. Maybe I don't know. You know I, I mean? think I think he wants this to succeed. I, I don't think he. Well, I, look, I, know I don't he think wants he's it to deep, succeed, but I just don't think he wants to waste any political energy or power behind it either. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think this is such a big one. It was such a big deal in the campaign. I think he wants to show that he did this and did it right. Uh, and yeah. you know, I, I don't know that he'll need to fight too hard. He didn't. He didn't nominate a crazy person. And when I say crazy person, I don't mean actually crazy, uh, but a really controversial choice. He picked somebody who was very conservative um, and with a libertarian streak that that conservatives will like and is so smart and can obviously talk circles around everybody in the Senate that it's, you know, why do this here? The other thought is, and this is something we talked about yesterday, is precedent. If they come out and fight it, then we all know the Republicans will eventually go to the uh, nuclear option right. to get it through. Okay, If they set the precedent now, they, all you need is 50 votes. The next time someone comes up, they won't have that fight again. They'll, it will just be 50 votes. So if uh, Ginsburg uh, leaves uh, or uh, 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 Breyer leaves or Kennedy leaves, everyone will walk into it saying all you need is 51 votes. If they don't, if they set the precedent now that you need 60 votes, at the very least, they will have to reverse the, their own precedent in the administration to say, no, we don't need 60 don't this need time. 60. We only need 51, which is and it also will probably be at a time where Trump has lower popularity. And this is right. not the best commentary on Trump. It's just that every president from the beginning of their administration typically slowly loses popularity throughout. So they might have a more advantageous time to take that battle up. And I think that's a real reason why you'll see um, him get the 60 votes. Remember, they've got, what, 53? 53, I think, already. I mean, you can pretty much write down Joe Manchin is going to go along with this. That's 54. Um, And that's going to get you, uh, you know, close to all the way there. And you have, uh, you know, other Republicans or Democrats in 
um, uh, red states that are going to be fighting for their life in re-election. In 2018, it's really set up. The map is set up wonderfully for Republicans in the Senate. So, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a good chance because he picked this way, that he'll get 60 yeah. votes. Um, it's so. the same thing that happened with Bush. Bush didn't have a tough time getting uh, Roberts through. It was Alito that was difficult. And I think uh, here, Gorsuch is so qualified, you just hope he's not another Roberts. I don't think he is reading his record. I really don't. I think it's a good pick. But man, you know, we've been burned by this so many <laughs> times, I have no idea. Um, this is an interesting thing, just to show you where the Democrat activist mindset is. This is a sign that somebody spotted. Um, and just shows how pathetic this is. Um, here's the sign. Uh, it's uh, talking about stopping Gorsuch, kind of. But if you kind of look, it's in the upper left-hand corner here. And it's actually just a stop. And then they just wrote the name Gorsuch in there because they didn't know who the nominee was. Uh, and uh, th that's pretty pathetic. Uh, the point is they were going to oppose anyone. Now, part of this goes back to Merrick Garland, which they're just pissed about. And, they, and more than that, they have a good argument uh, on that one. So they're, they continue to go back to it. But Merrick Garland's not gonna, he's not going to be the, the justice. It's over. It's over. It's, it's probably going to be Neil, almost undoubtedly is going to be Neil Gorsuch because I think they will go to the nuclear option if they have to. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, but, I mean, it shows that you really don't have much principle behind your arguments when you're writing in the name uh, afterwards. Well, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Wait until they know and then print the signs? No. No, that, that's true. They've got to have the generic crazy. stop anything sign. Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, that's great. Should we go to some specific? Let's take a break here and we'll come back. We'll do some specifics on Gorsuch and the reasons why. Uh, I'm excited about the pick, and a lot of conservatives are. Uh, we'll do that on the other side. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. All right, let's go through a couple things uh, as far as specifics go uh, when it comes to Neil Gorsuch. I figured this is a good show to maybe just kind of dive in and, and talk about this stuff because we have some time here and you know you've heard probably the surface stuff on a lot of shows today um, but let's go a little bit deeper here um, one of the things that really excites conservatives and shows the libertarian streak of uh, Gorsuch is what they call uh, the, uh, the the Chevron deference now you might say that sounds completely boring and it was it named after the freaking gas station place Yes, it actually is. A Chevron versus the National Resources, Resource Defense Council. Um, it was actually a pretty big case, and it goes back to, it's not about you know, what that case was about. It's about the precedent it set. It always is in the Supreme Court. So the Chevron deference basically says that when the federal courts are confronted with an ambiguous law, um, the default position for federal judges should be that they side with the federal agency that implements the law. Now, that's a very boring way of explaining it. But to explain it, to boil it down, like if the EPA is the one that enforces a specific law and, they have, and, and there's, people are arguing about what interpretation is right about that regulation, right? So EPA puts in a regulation and people are arguing, well, well I, I want to interpret it this way, I want to interpret it this way. You basically go and ask the EPA, what do you guys what think? What did you guys mean? Right? right? What did you guys think? What, do you, what, what did you mean by this? Um, and what do you think the law should be? Okay. Scalia supported that standard. Um, uh, Gorsuch does not. And the reason why, uh, I think, is pretty clear. It's not, these are unelected people who are uh, making regulations and, you know, 
the just the judges and the justices are supposed to be able to figure out what the law is. It's their job. Yeah. So let me. This is how they explained it. Um, and, and again, just to boil it down, Chevron uh, the Chevron deference instructs the courts to tip the scales in favor of the executive branch. So they say, okay, the president. Uh, has these people under him. He was elected and he put the people he wanted in there. So they should be able to figure out what that law is supposed to mean. Okay. Or that regulation. Um, But what about the judicial independent uh, duty? This is from a reason, by the way. What about the uh, judiciary independent duty to act as an impenetrable bulwark against every assumption of power in legislative or executive, as James Madison once described the role of the courts? Doesn't Chevron deference amount to a judicial surrender in this core area of responsibility? Judge Gorsuch, Gorsuch thinks so. Chevron deference is a judge, this is a quote from him, a judge-made doctrine for the abdication of the judicial duty. He also says, uh, under any conception of our separation of powers, I would have thought powerful and centralized authorities like today's administrative agencies would have warranted less deference from other branches, not more. What you're saying basically is, yeah, the EPA wants to do something, and people say, well, I don't think that's legal. But yeah, just ask the EPA. It's a terrible standard to set up. Um, he's also very good on the Fourth Amendment. And again, this is an issue that Scalia was good on. Um, Gorsuch strongly objected to the majority's view in one case, uh, United States versus Carlos, that, uh, that police officers had the implied consent to, uh, to enter pr- a private property for a warrantless knock-and-talk on a homeowner's front porch, even though the homeowner had placed multiple no trespassing, trespassing signs around the property and even on the front door. Um, this is, this is, I would think of this as the Jeffy case. Jeffy's an obvious drug dealer. I mean, we talked about it on the air a hundred times. Uh, he obviously is in all sorts of different illegal activities. We all know it. The police know it. Okay. But he has not been caught and convicted of a crime. Yeah. Right. So there's a process. It's got to be here. proven. All right. So can the police just walk up to Jeffy and start asking him all these questions and enter his property, go on his property without any reason to be there? They don't have any evidence. They just kind of suspect he may, might be a criminal for, with no real reason to do that. No, they just, I would everybody say, around town uh, knows. no. I, I, you would say, uh, no. And a lot of, there would be some people uh, who are very pro-police or, you know, very hard, hard on crime, as we all are. Um, well, not Jeffy on the police thing, but um, we, we all are. Uh, you might say, well, wait a minute. They, I, they should be able to go there. If they think there's a drug dealer, they should be able to go and investigate it. Um, and I, I understand that position. Um, but the more libertarian streak in, in myself, uh, in Jeffy from the I wanna, don't want to get arrested streak, and, and Gorsuch, the uh, libertarian streak, he had this to say. Gorsuch complained, a homeowner may post as many no trespassing signs as she wishes. She might add a wall or a medieval style moat too. Maybe razor wire and battlements and, mul- and man traps besides. Even that isn't enough to revoke the state's right to enter. This line of reasoning seems to me difficult to reconcile with the constitution of the founder's design. I mean, how hard, you know, the Constitution, they included the Fourth Amendment for a reason. So you couldn't just get searched whenever somebody suspected you or something or they didn't like you. Um, And that has been dismissed by almost everybody. And here's Gorsuch standing up for that principle and saying, you know what? I love the cops, but they can't just walk up there whenever they want if they don't have a reason. Now, obviously, in Jeffy's case, there is a reason. He's, I mean, we've talked about it. He's been on national radio explaining his crimes for multiple years. So that is a reason. You can go to Jeffy's house. Uh, But I think that's a, it's a good limitation. Again, it shows that he's trying to limit government power, not expand it. And that just, uh, again, I can't imagine this guy's going to be on Donald Trump's side on eminent domain. 
Um, I, I, I haven't seen anything specifically on that, but you read what he talks about through here. He is citing constantly against the federal government having I, more power. That's all I was thinking about when uh, earlier during radio when Glenn was talking. You know, he likes to bring up the uh, the two side buildings of Rockefeller Town yeah. Center. You know, the two guys that held out right. one for money, one for family. And all I could think of is today's one eminent domain. You're done. Get out. Yeah. We're moving and you that's out. the wrong Pack your crap approach. up in a trailer and get out. It's not the only story like that in New York. The Hess Triangle is my favorite story like this, where they this guy owned this property. They wanted to build the subway there, uh, the Hess family, and uh, they they took the land from him, um, and he fought it in court all the way to the end. And they said, "Nope, we're taking it." They finally won, and they took it. But they, the where the subway was going left him with a triangle piece shape of land like it looked like i thought it described as a giant piece of pizza that's the right. kind of the size of, right. of it and he, he and he and they were like well just give us that too and he's like nope i'm keeping this triangle and it's his little tri- i mean seriously it's like you know maybe the, i've walked by it before it's about that big maybe you know kind of comes down in a, in a triangle shape. <laughs> it's about that big and so he just decided to have tiles put in on it and they just say um property of the hess estate never to be dedicated for public purposes <laughs> and it's in there, and it's still there today. It's all cracked and, and it's deteriorating, but it's still actually still there today. Though. And so he held out for a very long time. They tried to they they tried to get him to donate it, and he was like, nope. And so it stayed there for a really long time. They um, eventually, I think, years and years. I don't know if he was dead or, but eventually the family was like, they, I think they sold it to them or donated Probably, it or something. Sure. Eventually, they're like, we've made our point. Um, uh, and, and, and the, you know, it's just out and he front would of say, no, you, no, we haven't. He probably would have. What are you doing? Uh, but it's out in front of like a cigar shop now. Uh, but it's still there. I mean, you could still see it. You could still read it, even though it's, it's cracked it's and everything. Great. It's a great story. And there's a lot of those. I mean, this happens. Uh, there was one in Pittsburgh I was just hearing about um, w- on a podcast where uh, they built a mall around this old lady's house. Like Trump was doing in, uh, wanted to do in uh, with the casinos down in uh, Atlantic, Atlantic City. City. They yeah. built a mall and they just said, "All right, well, we w- we'll, we'll pay you, you know, tons of money, way more, a million dollars for your house." And she's like, "Nope, I'm old. I don't have any family. I don't want to move." So they built the mall right around her. And there's this, this giant mall around this one little house. And <laughs> that one wound up being that the guy who was like the foreman, I think, of the project, wound up going to talk to her and realized that she really had nobody in her, in her life. And the guy actually, towards the end of her life, she wound up dying later, um, wound up going and making her breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day um, for, for a long time. And, well, and, and they had being to. They didn't leave family. her a road to get in or out. You no, know, there was. She, <laughs> that's a good point. No, she could get in and out, but the back of her house and the sides of her house were surrounded by the mall. And eventually, the woman, when she died, left the house to that guy. Nice. Uh, which is kind of a, a cool story, you know. Cool. I mean, so anyway, so but point. Moral being, of that story is if you find an old person to take care of, do it. Jeffy, can I take care of you? Uh, be- you know, close to death. Oh, Jeffy, can I take care of you? <laughs> Actually, you don't have any possessions. What am I talking about? Um, so uh, Gorsuch also questioned whether the Supreme Court had any business protecting uh, unenumerated constitutional rights, such as the right to privacy, under the due uh, uh, process clause of the 14th Amendment, citing the work of, of Robert Bork. Again, citing the work of Robert Bork is not always the popular thing to do. <laughs> now, the, and this, go, this plays to what he thinks about abortion. Now, the abortion issue is interesting here. Similar to other uh, justices, there's not a long record of him having uh, abortion-related decisions. And so it makes some people nervous. However, he seems to go even further um, uh, than uh, on this issue. He seems to be very strong. Let me read you this, this, this description. Not abortion. His 2006 book, which I need to read, I have not read it yet, uh, The Future of Assisted Suicide and Euthanasia, 
wrote a book about that. Now, it's a topic where you'd think, okay, well, someone who's pro-life probably, probably is going to be against it. Yeah. Um, however, libertarians are kind of for it. Um, he seemingly pointed to an, an anti-abortion direction, rejecting the case for legalized assisted suicide on the grounds that human life is fundamentally and inherently valuable, and the t taking of human life by private persons is always wrong. Pretty strong statement there. Yes. Um, Gorsuch also rejected the libertarian case for assisted suicide because he argued faithful adherence to the libertarian theory would also justify the legalization of mass suicide packs, duels, and the sale of one's life, not to mention the use of now illegal drugs, prostitution, and the sale of one's organs. So he's not a hardcore libertarian. He's got a libertarian streak on certain things, um, which I do, I do like. And I think, like, it's easier... Uh, like, if you look at the life arguments, the abortion thing, like, for example, Glenn is obviously pro-life. However, he does take the libertarian position on assisted suicide. So I think, like, it's an actually, he's, he's clearing a higher hurdle when it comes to life issues uh, for most people with the assisted suicide thing when, when it comes to being on the life side of that argument. Um, you know, where most, almost, there's almost no one who's pro-assisted suicide um, on the conservative side of this argument, um, and pro-choice. Like, usually those things go together when you're right. on the conservative okay. side of the argument. Um, so the fact that he is, uh, you know, again, but it, there is speculation here. The, you know, Pryor was probably the safest pick when it came to Roe versus Wade. He had outwardly said it was one of the worst rulings of all time. Um, so you could, that, you could have been a little safer with that one. Um, but he had other issues and was seen as really controversial, not to mention um, he had some issues with the evangelicals on certain issues as well that Glenn had kind of talked about earlier. So I think this is a good pick. Yeah, this was the guy. Yeah. And, this and, was the guy that yeah. they all uh, were crying about. So there you go. Yeah, you got it. You got uh, what you want. Let me give this one last thing because this is my favorite part about the guy. Uh, dormant co Commerce Clause. We mentioned this on radio. There's something called the Dormant Commerce, commerce Clause, which is a way to read the Constitution with words that aren't there. Um, that indicate that you can kind of do whatever you want uh, as a federal government over interstate commerce, which you're really not supposed to overwhelm uh, state statutes on these things, um, because it's not really commerce. They make everything commerce. Anyway, these doctrines treat the Commerce Clause as not only a grant of power to Congress to make laws regulating interstate commerce, but as a kind of presumptive limitation on the power of states to make laws that are either unduly burdened or unfairly discriminate against interstate commerce. Basically, gives, takes all the power away from the states, gives it all to the federal government. Um, as the name suggests, the Dormant Commerce Clause cannot actually be found in the Constitution. Scalia eventually came around to the view that it should not be a thing and refused to endorse any future expansions of the doctrine. Um, Scalia stated, the fundamental problem with our negative commerce clause cases is the... Oh, jeez, I actually misread that. The fundamental problem with our negative commerce clause cases is that the Constitution does not contain a negative commerce clause. Um, that's actually a uh, Scalia quote. I've been thinking that was Gorsuch the whole yeah. time. But Gorsuch agreed with that precedent. Uh, Gorsuch's opinions also reveal a measure of distrust uh, towards unwritten constitutional provisions like the dormant commerce clause. Let me read that last sentence again. Gorsuch's opinions also reveal a measure of distrust toward unwritten constitutional provisions? Shouldn't they Wait, all... What? You, you, you Any know, of them. All of them. If they're not written, they're not a thing. Period. Oh, jeez. All right. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. We're running late. We're back Scalia is so pissed right now at you. Uh, I know. For not knowing his quote. Uh, I know. I actually am, I am pissed at myself for that. I, <laughs> ah! some stories that Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore.
worst segment ever. Oh, hey, Jeffy, you're on. You're on. It's oh, hey, welcome to Pat and Stew without Pat. Showed up for radio, couldn't show up for this show. Thank nice, God. Nice I one. don't want the plate. Nice I one. don't want to die nice because one. Pat thinks it's, it's uh, some noble cause to come in with the flu. Yeah, he doesn't thanks. have flu. He's taking medicine. He does have flu. He tested positive for flu. You are, he, you are actually are a millennial, aren't you? I am. I, I was born in 1976. Yeah, yes. That was the first I year. I know. You're on the, you're on the beginning of the millennials. One of the first millennials. You can tell. By some you measures. Even working. So I have some sad uh, news. Shut up. Sad you news. haven't done anything <laughs> for this company since you started here. And you're, not a, you're a millennial of the 1800s. All right, go ahead. Sad news. Uh, and this, not for you so much, Stu, but it is sad news for many American males. Uh, <laughs> America's facing the lowest supply of bacon in more than 50 years. Uh, yeah, that does not and I know, but beware. Prices, going Prices up. are going to be skyrocketing. I mean, this is the type of thing that could turn the people around on the Trump presidency. I mean, yeah, yeah, you got a Supreme actually, Court justice. What about the bacon? It actually kind <laughs> of is. That could be a That's problem. That's the kind of stupid thing that would, would actually hurt him. Well, Rush used to say that all the time. No one cares about, like, in-depth policy, but raise their ATM fees, and everyone goes nuts. Right. It's the same thing here. Chicken prices go up. What? And by the way, bacon is the type of thing that absolutely could be affected. I mean, one of the things, oh the gosh, people yeah. who are, are really complaining about Trump's economic policies are a lot of people who supported him, which are farmers. Farmers depend on exporting goods. And if you get into a trade war and people stop buying American goods. What happens? Uh, it's not good for them. Huh. Uh, not good for them. Weird how that happens. But that's not a, today's a day to celebrate. Uh, it is a day uh, to celebrate. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be positive. Um, I also, we talked a little bit off the, the other day about, uh, you know, the NFL going to Las Vegas, but uh, Sheldon Nelson, uh, Mr. Big Billionaire, uh, pulled out. Pulled out like yeah. s- almost $700 million. I mean, Adelson, it was a weird thing a anyway. Nice day. Adelson basically said, I don't really like football. I'm not really into it. I just think this might be, and I'm not going to make any money off of this and profit. Which um, I find hard to believe. Right. Uh, I'm believe. just saying his, this is his attitude. I'm not going to make any money off this. I'm not doing it for the money. But, you know, it'll be nice to have for the city. And, you know, obviously some people will come to the casinos that go there. So, you know, yeah, overall. No kidding. So anyway, $650 million is a lot, uh, is a lot to put down for, uh, for that little passion. And then they had uh, some sort of... Uh, and he was uh, teamed with Goldman Sachs. Yeah, they had some uh, presentation and some paperwork that had to be submitted, and uh, they just did it without him. Yeah, he was pissed. Well, he was pissed because they were asking for too much as well. I mean, they really, they really were, and uh, you know, they want to make the stadium one point nine billion dollars, and it's like, why on earth do you need a one point nine billion dollar stadium? I mean, you know, the the one in uh, New York was like one point six. Yeah, I mean, you're making yeah, a the Giants and Jets stadium for 1.6. You need 1.9 for the Raiders in Las Vegas, which is a freaking desert. Build it five miles off the strip or something. Yeah, they don't uh, want. So yeah. I think it might fall through because Goldman Sachs That's pulled tough. out too. Oh, I didn't know Goldman Sachs. Yeah, because they said we're tied. Gosh, since we got past Jeffrey time, this is. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the. I got uh, some more. No, it's okay. I, I, that's okay. I mean. No, I mean I just uh, would rather you not. Can we just uh, can we go back to the A one block here for a second in the control room uh, for this poll? This is a pretty amazing poll. Uh, comes about the uh, the it's about the immigration order. 
And, you know, what, if you watch cable news on a daily basis, you would, unless it's Fox News, which if it was Fox News that you watch, you would think there's a 100% approval rating and a 0% disapproval right. rating of all of Donald Trump's policies. If you watch MSNBC, you think there's a 0% approval rating and a 100% disapproval rating of Donald Trump's policies. Here's the reality, and I think this is surprising to a lot of people around the country. Um, most people have digested this uh, immigration program as not uh, as much on the reaction of it and more about what's the actual content Hello. is. And if you look at this, it's pretty fair. Can we show the uh, tweet? Um, 48% agree uh, overall, 41% disagree. First of all, you'd never believe that watching the coverage. But, what you know, yeah, 82 to 13 on the GOP side, you, you assume that's about the case. Independents, though, agree with it, 44 to 36. I think the real surprise here, though, for especially in the Democrat world, is a quarter of Democrats agree with this. 23% yeah. of Democrats agree with the executive order. That's a way bigger number than I think they would imagine. Boy, no kidding. Um, you know, for a policy by Donald Trump that has been so controversial and has been rolled out so poorly, you got, can you imagine what these numbers would be if he rolled it out well? I know. And I, bet it's, I bet instead of 48%, it would be 59. You watch the 60. news coverage with the children standing alone at the airport and nobody agrees with it. And I know that we just saw a story uh, today where the United Arab Emirates the United Arab Emirates nice. minister, is the, say that correctly. UAE is the easy way to go de- on that Defends one. Uh, the Trump travel ban. It's not anti-Islam. I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's good. And uh, and, and it, is, it isn't. We've discussed this this you know for a while. It really is not. Uh, and, um, I still have not seen anyone ask my question, though. Uh, this is bizarre. You know, it's, it's interesting because no, maybe the truth is neither side wants it to be asked. <laughs> because, you know, how if you really believe Donald Trump is trying to ban Muslims, why not ask him, hey, if the Sunni minority in Iran was persecuted, would they be get the same benefits as Christians in, uh, in Iran? Would they because they are a, only nine percent of the country right. is Sunni Muslim and 89 percent, if I'm remembering right, are, are Shia Muslim. Uh, so. They are a religious sure. minority in Iran. Would they get the benefits of being a religious minority? Now, I don't think, maybe the truth is, the Trump administration doesn't want to make that point because in reality, the answer to that is no. <laughs> They're saying no, screw, screw the, 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 the Muslim minority. I don't know. We don't know the answer to this question. And the other part of it is, maybe the media doesn't want to ask it because they don't want the answer to be yes. If, if they right. re, if resp- right. and Sean Spicer goes on TV and says, well, you know what, honestly... Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be. We'd absolutely, absolutely do that. Cons- that, assuming they were co- correctly vetted. We would import uh, Muslims from these countries because they are religious minorities. If they were being persecuted, uh, you know, I, I think this is one of those things that you know what, neither side really wants to maybe go down that road. I would hope the Trump administration is. You know, look, Trump. If you look at the way the Trump thing is happening, and I am happy with the results on the Supreme Court, but let's examine how this happened. Again, there is, and this analysis does not change from the campaign. There's no reason to believe, leading into the campaign, that Donald Trump would be a constitutionalist on the Supreme Court. Yes, he occasionally said it. He also said the opposite. And his entire history was the opposite. So with the evidence available, and this is what you do in campaigns, you try to project what the person will do. Now that he's president, you now try to root him on and just judge him by what he's done as president. Um, so I, I give him credit. But how did he get to that point from a guy who really, you know, when, it, when asked what, who, who he would appoint as a Supreme Court justice, just, uh, you know, my flippantly sister. said my sister. Uh, how did he get from that person to a guy who would be able to analyze Neil Gorsuch's background? And I think the answer is, 
And again, this is me, I think, admitting it, uh, at least on this particular case that we were wrong or at least we're not as optimistic as we should have been on, on Trump. Many people inside the, uh, the um, campaign with Trump and insiders in Washington told us many, many times, and we told you this on the air at the time, that the best case for Donald Trump is that Donald Trump doesn't know these issues, doesn't care right. about these issues, but will appoint people who are loyal to him to make these decisions for him. Right. So he doesn't know who Neil Gorsuch is. And However, what he does know is that Mike Pence has stood by his side through all these tough times, and Mike Pence says he's a good guy. Right. And he had promised, uh, you know, that's how he got the evangelical vote, that he would stick to a conservative uh, appointment yep. to the Supreme Court. We, you know, questioned the possibility that he might not necessarily <laughs> hold true to that. Right. But he did. But he did. And he was his first... proud of himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, saying that he stuck to it last and you night. Want, look, and I give well, him credit. I, again, like, I, I just know, want, I I want know, him to do the right I thing, and, and he did here. But if you look at the way these things happen, Donald and this is why I said it was such a stupid decision by the left. And they are making stupid decision after stupid decision. Donald Trump tends to seemingly, uh, while he's very strong-willed uh, against his enemies, he is not strong-willed on these policy issues, because some of them, the ones that aren't close to his heart. Trade is close to his heart. Immigration has become that way uh, recently. Um, but, like, he, he tends to walk through the paths designed for him. You know what I'm saying? So if the people around him, what he, he makes decisions. He walks up to a fork in the road and he says, one side is the left side, one side is the right side. And the left side have been out in the streets protesting about me and calling me Hitler. And the right side is a bunch of people who have stuck with me when I've made an idiot of myself occasionally. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I don't really know the issue here. I'm going with that side. Go to the right. This has also shown its face with issues of uh, women's rights and gay rights. That sure has. Because when he faces that fork in the road, he chooses the Ivanka road. That's the only time he's seemingly gone down those other roads. So he looks at the people who are most loyal to him. Certainly Jared Kushner, who is Ivanka's uh, husband, is very big on, on Israel. It's a big passion point for him. Um, and he's been good on that issue. It seems like he'll take every position at some point. However, he will focus with the side that's been nice to him, to break it down easily. Um, when, he's, when in doubt, that doesn't mean like trade. If, if the Cato Institute was really nice to him on trade, he would not go down those roads, I don't think, on something like trade. But on things where he's not all that passionate, he doesn't necessarily follow the Supreme Court close enough uh, throughout his life to, to, to care about these things. Nope. So, you know, he goes with that way. I think, like, that's his, that's his decision on eminent domain. You know, the, his business associates, the people close to him, his personal business, his employees benefit from that policy. So he likes that policy. Um, and here, in these issues where he's never really had to deal with it, he's going with people familiar and loyal to him. And I will say, we were told that. We were told that that yes, was your best case scenario. And so far, I think that analysis has proved to be true, we will see if it continues. But yeah, if it's we'll true, see. that's if that's true, and he can keep himself and his, his sort of anger under control, um, so, he, so the real negatives, uh, you know, and he doesn't fly off the handle and start a war or something like that. Um, if he if that winds up to be true, and he's just following the people who have been loyal to him, uh, who are you know generally more much more conservative than him, 
Should be okay. We should be in Oak. This should yeah. be okay, and we should have a great presidency. I just don't know if that's going to continue for a long period of time. Oof, that's a tough call. Yeah, that's a tough, tough. Call. I'm ha- if that's how it turns out, though. If this turns out to be a mixed bag, and I got some stuff to complain about and some stuff to praise, I'm going to be thrilled. It's pretty good, yeah. And, and he'll go strong. That's why I was thinking that he'll go super strong. You know, everybody's complaining about, hey, Donald, slow down, and you know, he's going, Mister, he's going crazy here. I think once he gets everybody into place and 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 sets down, he'll just be able to sit back a little bit and be the CEO and and do that. You know. Delegate. I will say he does learn. Uh, He's an on-the-job learner. Um, So a lot of times you'll see this with policy after policy during the campaign. Oh, I don't know. I guess women should go to prison if they get an abortion. Oh, wait, that's not what I'm supposed to say? Oh, oh, no, I think the doctor should be punished. And, and And he learns it as he goes. And the time to take Trump out was early. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people criticized Ted Cruz and stuff for staying out of the melee early in the campaign because of that. I, I, I kind of think it is a little bit unfair criticism. but I think so, too, because some people tried. And they, they, yeah, it didn't he, work. They, it didn't work. But, I mean, that's the time to take him out. When he's, when he's at his least experience, he's going he's to get better at this job as it goes. And the question from, is, is he pushing for things that are good or not? I mean, we heard from uh, other journalists uh, that, you know, that's what Trump is good at. You give, give him a choice. Yeah. And he's good at picking. He knows he knows in the gut which one is right. Right. And, and which one is right. I know the conversation you're talking about. And, and, and this specific person told us that's the issue that's with what interviews. That's got him into trouble, yeah. Yeah, because if you, if, you do, if you give him a choice, A and B, he's smart enough to look at the two options, do a quick calculus, and pick yeah. one. And if you give him no go. choice, he looks at it and says, I don't know, and just creates something out of thin air. And a lot of times it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ah, kill them all. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, and it's funny. Oh, we shouldn't do that. But I think that that's going to be less and less of a of a problem yeah, well, now that he's he, president. Because he gets you know? briefed. All now the he's time. living he this life, right? Yeah. Before, yeah. and to be fair to him, before he was living a life of a business person who just jumped into this stuff for attention. Now he's living the life of a president. Um, so he is thinking about these things every day now, and this is one of the reasons why you give him a clean slate. Let him yeah. be judged on what he does in office because that's his job now. Um, but the the exact wrong. A philosophy, I think, is being executed by the left, which is treat him as if you think he's Adolf Hitler um, right. and complain about every little thing he does, even when it's not that bad, because you think you're the opposition party and that's what you're supposed to do. You could get stuff out of this guy. If you gave him a break uh, on the immigration thing, oh, you might get an extra $100 billion on the next proposal. He'll deal with you for sure. He'll, exactly. he'll walk out of the White House with his arm around you yeah. I mean, at like, one point. Chuck Schumer, Absolutely. he said he would work with Chuck Schumer. I know Chuck Schumer, known him forever. When you go out and you do fake tears, you lose that loyalty. You and sure now do. when Schumer wants something, he's not going to get it. Oh, well, crying Chuck is at the door. Never mind. And you'll look, you might say to us, I think fairly, well, you guys should have done the same thing. You guys should have gone and said, and, and while being okay, it's okay to be critical, but don't go all out against Donald Trump because in the end, you could have been one of the people inside influencing him. I understand that. It's a fair criticism. I just don't want to live like, like that. I don't want to live that life. I don't want well, to live the life where I'm behind fair. the scenes trying to influence him in some way. Remember, Donald Trump is a guy who was kissing up to Glenn for multiple years before he ran. Yeah, he I tried think, to get Glenn on his side. Um, and I think if we look back uh, honestly... That actually kind of happened. I mean, I know that we were all in for a couple different candidates, one in particular. Yeah, Cruz. Um, but 
in the end, it was, uh, you know, it, Trump was, was the presidential candidate for the Republican Party, and it was against Hillary Clinton, and nobody wanted Hillary. So, uh, you know... Oh, yeah. We, Once, I'm, I'm just talking about the primary. I mean, I know. Uh, the but, general election, but, but, but I, I had no, is, is that, no passion for Trump. My point I, is, I, is that, okay, so... Fine with him winning. Right. But he never came back. He didn't, you know, we, we, that was already, that was long gone. Yeah, but I mean, I, I understand that. Like, first of all, that's not how he operates. Second of all, I mean, you know, look, we did oppose him strongly yeah, uh, during the primary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and we were, and the other thing is we didn't just fall in line in the general. We continued to criticize him. I mean, I, as I said, I voted for Evan McMullen. I don't have any problem admitting that. I, you know, people are like, oh, that Evan McMullen pick looks stupid. Well, uh, no, it doesn't. I, you. Evan McMullen supported Gorsuch, too. You know, I mean, I, it's not like Donald Trump's the only person who found this diamond in the rough. He just did what I hoped every other candidate would have done and right. probably would have done. I mean, Gorsuch is actually a pretty normal pick from a uh, Republican. I don't think he is. Oh, yeah, there's no hidden. Uh, there's no hidden yeah, people out there. I mean, people are acting like Trump would have been the only person who would have ever found Gorsuch. He came, it was a list given to him by <laughs> right. experts on this topic who would have been the same people advising any other Republican yeah. candidate. Um, but, I mean, that's okay. I don't care. What about I, that not... one guy in Salt Lake City, Stu, that nobody knows about? Yeah, right. Him. Right. It wasn't, that was not what happened here. I mean, the only time anyone ever criticizes that, says that ever happened was with Clarence Thomas, which actually worked out very well. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, you know, people, he wasn't as well-known at that time. Um, but whatever. I mean, the point here is that... The media uh, world was a lot different then, too. Yeah. Man, woof. God, you know, thank you. know, He really is one of the most important people in America. Yes, he is. Uh, can we go back to, to the wrong philosophy here? This is from our B1, by the way. Nancy Pelosi, um, she just trots out every crappy argument that has ever been made against Republicans <laughs> to try to say how bad Gorsuch is. what she does. This is what she does. Watch it. Elections have ramifications. And here is a living, breathing example of it. The president, in his first appointment to the court, court and hopefully his only appointment to the court, has appointed someone who has come down on the side of corporate America versus class action suits uh, on securities fraud. He's come down against employers, employees' rights. Uh, clean air, clean water, food safety, safety and medicine and the rest. If you care about that for your children, he's not your guy. Uh, as, uh, Gabby Giffords' group, the, uh, the group for responsible solutions relating to gun safety, said that he comes down on the side of felons over gun safety. Hostile to women's reproductive rights, a Hobby Lobby case, for example. The list goes on and on. Uh, criticized progressives for bringing cases that relate to LGBT progress of taking those cases to the courts. What saddens me the most as a mom and a grandmother, though, is his uh, uh, hostility toward children uh, in school, children with autism. He has ruled uh, that they don't have the same rights under the IDEA, the children, uh, that, 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 that they could reach their intellectual and social uh, advancement under the law. He has said that doesn't apply to them. I, I got to look into that last one because that's one they're trotting yeah, out a lot, sure. and I don't know the details of it yet. So apologies, and I'll get to it uh, maybe. For and her comments show. right after that were great. We played it on radio today, where she talked about if you care about uh, if you care about eating, living. Oh yeah, she breathing. said it, that was the beginning of that clip. I mean, would she say it twice? She yes, I mean okay. she closed out with it. Yeah, but, but she the, nailed it right down the line. But man. if you care about air, breathing air, yes. if you care about having medicine, he's, he's not your not guy. Your I mean. I, <laughs> Look, that's just obviously ridiculous. Now, I was a little concerned when uh, Gorsuch said uh, he wanted all medicine destroyed. 
um, in his speech. You just let that go. I just, you know, I want all. I want there to be no medicine. In fact, he announced a global war on Advil, uh, which I found to be uh, distasteful. Um, but other than that, he seems like a good candidate. See, I figured. I, I thought it was just Advil, though. I, he didn't. He wasn't saying all of ibuprofen, was he? I, you know, he didn't specifically say that, but again, you don't know everything about a justice before he gets in there. If he, I, would, I would not be surprised to see him say all ibuprofen products. Uh, and, and maybe acetaminophen. We don't know. We Ooh. just don't know about acetaminophen at this point. Um, but I, I just, I mean, that's such, it's not even a good effort, right? I mean, you know, the, obviously Hobby Lobby is blatantly <laughs> clear constitutionally. I mean, that's not even a borderline issue. I mean, it's a controversial one, but it's not a borderline issue. Um, you know, uh, gun rights, uh, you know, the Second Amendment's there. It's been ruled on multiple times. He does support the Heller case. He supports, uh, you know, gun rights. What He's about the handicapped children, Stu? I got to look into that one. I don't know it. My guess is They're it's some They're not issue. as important. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously, obviously, without even knowing any of the details, <laughs> Neil Gorsuch does not say, I hate kids with autism. That's just not a, th- it's not a position people Other have. Other children are more um, important than them. Right. So that's obviously not the case. Uh, we know Nancy Pelosi is lying there. I just don't know what the lie is yet. So we'll, we, we'll figure that one out and hunt it down for you tomorrow. I want to give you this uh, last one before we go to break. This is Nancy Pelosi. She uh, was trying to have a big rally and uh, apparently had some uh, sound issues. Oh, nice. I mean... Working? The sound working? No. Does this work better? No. Can't hear? Can you hear now? It's not on. Is somebody going to deal with this? That, that part, I mean, look, most of it is just microphone problems. It's not that big of a deal. Her off-camera stuff is interesting. Though. Let's get the real people out there. Tell them you're Muslim. Tell them you're Muslim. Tell them you're Muslim because, you know, she is she's yes, a, all about it. I mean, again, these people are so fake. Oh, and again, man. if you've ever watched Arrested Development, I, you're all anyone who's watched that show has already filled in the rest of the sentence. She's just what is it? Lucille Bluth, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's just Lucille Bluth. I mean, and it's, it's this completely fake uh, person who's an elitist. And she I, if. Now, I know that show is uh, filled with unbelievable liberals, so certainly they didn't base it on Nancy Pelosi. But honestly, <laughs> if the actress who plays the role of Lucille Bluth Maybe died, no. they could just slide Nancy in and yeah. nobody would notice. And she could just act like she normally does, and it would be the same thing. A lot of times, I keep looking every time Nancy's on TV to see if they actually show the guy behind her that pulls her skin tight. There's got to be a guy no. with this Oh, no, standing behind her with their skin oh, tight like that. Jaffe, that's ridiculous. So that, that is not. By the time she gets home. No, that's just stupid, just, Jeffy. That's all automated now. Oh, I apologize then. Triple eight seven four seven. Back is the uh, phone number. Uh, we'll be back with more uh, here in a second. We've got some good stuff from Glenn coming up. We've got. Uh, do we have spoons today? We do. Uh, I oh hope yeah. So. Oh, you Girl Scout cereal. Yes. Two competing flavors of Girl Scout cereal. It's important. It's science. It you science. need it. That's me. It's a shame, Pat, uh, that you may have realized uh, didn't bother showing up the show today because he's not dedicated. Uh, by the way, I'll, 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 Thank you. I'll be out Monday. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> he didn't bother showing up for the show today, and this is the day he should be here because Glenn's uh, clip for, from uh, t from today is uh, the story about um, Frank Capra, which would lead uh, him into his impression of Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> which is, uh, as he would, I think, indicate, approximately 25% of the re uh, reason he's employed uh, because we love it so much. Um, it's uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, of course. You know, Frank Capra, yeah, screw It's a Wonderful now. Life. Uh, you work what are you screwing? Uh, are you working for Potter now? Yeah, that whole thing. Um, the story, though, behind the behind Frank Capra and these movies is really fascinating. Glenn went over it uh, a little bit last night. Watch. We, as Americans, see much of who we are, and and what America is because of one man. He was loved at the time, and now there's two ways of looking at him. Now people try to destroy him and discredit him, but at the time, he was loved, and that's not the story you hear about him now. One of his major works was almost lost. It was only because it fell through the cracks that we know it. And man, most of us know it almost word for word. The only doubt, it seems, at the time, was coming from him. Because he was an immigrant, poor, Italian immigrant that had nothing. And in the Great Depression, he felt almost given a free ride. He became wildly successful, somebody that everyone knew. And he felt guilty. Whether it was physical or mental, we're not really sure at this point, but we know that he had bouts of great depression. But at this point, he's in bed. His wife thinks he's gonna die. He thinks he's gonna die. He's at a crossroads in his life. Max is his only friend that he's allowing into his bedroom. And one day Max knocks on the door and says, sir, there's somebody here for you to see. And he said, no, not another doctor. No, it's not a doctor. Please, he's waiting for you in the other room. Please, for me, just see him. We don't know the man's name. But Frank got out of bed, put on his robe, and wearily made his way into the other room where the man, short, bald, big, heavy glasses, stood waiting for him. Frank said, please, sit down. The man said, no, sir. I have very little to say to you. Just this. You, sir, are a coward. <laughs> You're coming into my house to tell me, what? I'm a what? You are a coward, sir, but even infinitely sadder than that. You are an offense to 
to God. The room was completely silent, except for the radio in the other room. The radio, you could hear the voice of a madman in Europe. You hear the voice of that man? That evil man is trying to poison the world with hate. And how many people can he talk to? 15 million, 20 million, and for how long can he do it? 20 minutes? You, sir, you can talk to hundreds of millions for, for two hours plus, and they're in the dark, and they're only listening to you. The talent that you have, it's not your own. It's not self-acquired. God gave you those talents. Those gifts are not yours. They're his for his purposes. And when you don't use those gifts, it's an offense to God and to humanity. Good day. Frank stood there in his bathrobe as he heard the front door click closed. And he felt the responsibility that he was given. In the next few months, he would go on to win his first best director, Oscar. He'd win a total of three in his lifetime. He's one of only three directors to do it. And in the next few years, because of that story, he changed the way we look at ourselves, this Italian immigrant. Frank later said he never saw the man again. You don't know who he was. Quite honestly, we don't even know if that story is true. Many people say it's not, but that's their story. Frank Capra, he says it did happen. And this is his story. It is May 1903, and where would Frank Capra's story start? Statue of Liberty, of course. He is six years old when he arrives at Ellis Island. He is moving with his uh, mom and his family and his dad to um, California. They take the train to California where they where they join Frank's older brother, Ben, who lives in Los Angeles. And this is, it is so funny to see how this young kid started in Los Angeles and how he learned, you know, you gotta be tough and you have to be educated. You have to, you have to use your brain. And of course, in California, you also have to employ a little acting skill. Um, he is selling, newspapers 
And he would get up early in the morning and he would sell the early morning edition. And then in the afternoon, he would race back, get more papers, and he would sell the afternoon edition. But, and I learned this from Newsies, it was not like a newspaper guy when I was a kid, you ride your bike and you throw it. You actually had to sell it. And what Frank discovered was if we put a little show on, we can sell even more. So Frank gets with his older brother, um, Tony, who is a big, tough guy. And he and Frank work out this routine. Now imagine this, I mean, imagine the, the balls it takes to pull this off day after day. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't do it. At least, especially not in the same place in case somebody happened to be walking by going, wait a minute, didn't I just see you guys do this last week, yesterday, this morning? Frank would be this little doe-eyed boy. Paper, sir, would you like a paper? And his big burly brother, not, not knowing that he's his brother, comes up and says, you, how many papers have you sold? That's not enough! And starts to bully and beat on the little sweet kid until the crowd would say, hey, 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 knock it off. And Tony would leave and Frank would say, he's always after me papers. He wants me to sell more papers. Well, of course, everybody in the crowd would be like, oh, I'll still take your paper from me. Here's a dime. What a scam. What a scam. So welcome to America, Capra family. He figured out how to work the system. But this is really the only place in his life where I, I see this. I do see good storytelling for the rest of his life. But I, I see him figure out what America is and that it's more than just a place to make money. It's an idea and a privilege. In a world now where we are told that people come here just to take, I don't think that's true, by the way. I think people still are coming here for the opportunity. We're just not highlighting it. We're just not ever noticing it. Frank and his family did come for the opportunity, but he's, he's going to a high school where a lot of Italians and a lot of blacks are there. So they're the minorities and everybody's calling each other names. And he is known as, you know, a WAP, king of the WAP people. And he does not want to be a WAP living in the Italian ghetto. He decides he's gonna break out and he's gonna be a, he's gonna make something of himself. So he's gonna be a chemical engineer. And he goes to Caltech to get his major in chemical engineering. This is the first time that he doesn't feel like an immigrant. He feels like an American because now he's being accepted into this school and he's buckling down and he's serious. It's not a bunch of kid games. And it is at Caltech that he really begins to develop a love affair 
with America. 1917, World War I, he joins the army, but it's over by the time he's getting ready to be shipped out for Europe. And the economy is starting to slip and there is a nationwide job shortage. There's a bigger depression at this time after World War I than there is in 1929. Most people don't know it because it only took us 18 months to get out of it because the government did nothing. They just left it alone. And so we went into a massive, massive depression and joblessness. And a lot of the people that were unemployed were the veterans. Well, it took Frank Capra five years of knocking around doing traveling salesman. He was a, I like this one, a professional poker player, uh, but nothing, nothing stuck. He couldn't make anything. And his family started to getting a little upset with him and like, dude, you have, you have a degree from Caltech. You're a chemical engineer, use that. So he decided that he would, and he went up to uh, San Francisco, where he worked in film development labs, which was a new thing. It's, it's, you know, 1920. And he's working in these films, and somebody comes in, and they're talking about the films, and Frank, the little kid, who was, please buy my paper. He decides to pass himself off at, yeah, you know, for a while in my younger years, I was an experienced director. In your younger years, film is like three years old. And so he starts to pass himself off as, as this um, director and he gets a film and it's Fulta Fisher's Boarding House. It's 1920, 21. And he actually, and this is, this is the, I like Frank Capra. He is pulling this scam and, and everybody who knows is like, take the money and go. He can't do it. He's like, no, I mean, they gave me money. I, I should try to make a movie. He doesn't know, he has no idea what he's doing but he feels guilty enough to where he's like, I can't rip people off. And so he makes a movie and it's a pretty positive experience for him. And so after his one, after his one movie making deal from the experienced director, he decides, what's that? I hear Hollywood calling my name. And he moves to Hollywood to tell them about his experience directing. Deranged pervert Anthony Weiner could face child porn charges. Yay! Uh, yeah, that's actually the Heat Street he headline. He just won't let this man alone, Stu. Uh, he was t he was engaging in child porn with a 15-year-old. Uh, I won't let him alone, Stu. I'm just let the man go. FBI investigated Wiener. By the way, uh, Wiener also. I mean, there. You want to talk about a guy with no allies? First of all, his oh family hates gosh. him. 
uh, which is a big problem. Second of all, uh, conservatives hate him because he's one of the biggest douches on the planet. In fact, in the douche hall of fame, a 99 percenter, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, and third of all, Democrats hate him because he basically cost them the election. Yeah. Um, and if you say, no, he didn't, that was, no, because Wiener's investigation was what was led to the Comey letter when Hillary Clinton was leading by eight points. Now, the polls came down and Hillary Clinton still maintained a three-point lead, which, by the way, she won by 2.8 million votes or whatever it was. I mean, yeah. she, I think her final percentage lead was almost three points. It was pretty close. Plus, uh, but, you know, obviously lost the states. I mean, I want, we've all, we all watched the documentary, right? Oh, the, yeah. the Wiener documentary, Wiener. Not your Wiener documentaries on your websites, but this is, a, this is one about Anthony Wiener. Well, whatever, whatever Wiener documentary you're talking about, Stu, I've watched them all. <laughs> and uh, I'm just saying... <laughs> Uh, he is a douche. He deserves to be in the Douche Hall of Fame, no question, every day from now to eternity. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys. Like, I used to say the perfect person for the Douche Hall of Fame. The ultimate example. I used to say Alan Grayson for that. I think Anthony Wiener is actually the best one. Yes. Uh, Because he just really... Grayson is still there. He's just not as relevant anymore. I mean, he, you want to talk about a guy who, today, we could not vote Anthony, or, or uh, <laughs> what's his face? I can't even think of his name. Gra- Alan Grayson? Alan. I, I kept thinking Anthony Grayson. Uh, <laughs> Alan Grayson wouldn't even make it into the Douche Hall of yeah. Fame because of the relevancy clause. Uh, Wiener still would. I mean, Oh, my he, gosh. I, I, you, look, people are like, oh, look God. at them complain about the Comey letter. That is a legitimate complaint. That actually now, is. I, I mean, fair. I don't mean it was legitimate that Comey did something wrong, but it was legitimate that it actually probably did cost them the election. That being said, it wouldn't have worked if Hillary Clinton wasn't really corrupt, and so that's her fault. But the way that happened and the way it was, you know, exploded into the media ten days before the election was—I mean, that's, yeah. they're not off base by saying, "Holy crap, that was a big deal." No, it they was, are not. and it showed it moved the polls. By probably six points. Because once again, um, we saw the connection between Wiener and Hillary and, yeah. and the emails. It, I mean, it bad. was a bit, yeah. Again, it brought all those issues up. And it's funny, the Hillary Clinton campaign had an interesting take on that afterwards, which was not only were they pissed about the Comey letter coming out, they were actually upset at them being cleared a couple days before the election. Because what happened was the Comey thing came oh, out right. a week. They went through a week of checking all the emails, and then they came out and they said, you know what, we didn't That's find anything. Fine. And all conservatives went nuts and said, wait a minute, you can't check all those emails in that time. And wait, you can't possibly be clear. She's getting a favor. They were pissed about that because it brought the issue up again. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, she still wound up winning the popular vote. None of that matters. But, I mean, I can understand how they'd be pissed off. But I know that... Reverse the circumstances, you'd be pissed off Absolutely. about it. Let's be honest about it. You'd be pissed off about it. If and Ted also, Cruz was up, was up by eight points, and then they came up with some crazy letter from the FBI ten days before the election, and then he, and then he still won by three points but lost the Electoral College because of that five-point swing, I would have been pissed. Yes. Uh, and so whether it's rational or not, the anger is understandable. There. He is uh, an unbelievable douche, though. He is, I, there's I, no doubt. I want, I, sometimes, at one point, I, I used to think that I kind of liked him. You know, I just say he was, I kind of liked well, him. He was in the Congress, you know, and he was the fighter, and he was the guy that, you know, even though I didn't agree with what he was doing. Well, you, you know, know what, and this is a good point, Jeffy. Uh, you're right. And I think that's, I mean, Donald Trump is in the Douche Hall of Fame. I know, and he has uh, a lot a, of the same, a yes, lot of the does. same qualities. That's so amazing. Of, of Anthony Weiner. I mean, it was the same argument. And Alan Grayson. It, now those guys are on the other side. Yeah, they are. Um, so it was an, it was really annoying to hear. But if they're on your side, you cheer it on. 
And and Trump went, especially when he was put into the Jewish Hall of Fame, was still uh, talking very liberally side, all the yeah. time, and it was in the middle of the uh, of the primary. Um, you know, now obviously people. Uh, he's on our side, so you kind of like it more. But it's like having a player, an outspoken player on your team. Like, I can't stand uh, Richard uh, Sherman on the uh, of C- on Seattle. Seattle. However, if if he was on the Eagles, I would still I, I still hate him because he's just so annoying. <laughs> but I mean, he's a bad example. Um, but you could see how people used up. to like. Uh, I'm trying to think of who you, uh, was on the like when Terrell Owens was on the Eagles. A lot of people hated him, and you know it's hard not to like him when he's on the Eagles and he's getting 20 catches. Uh, so right. you know when he's on your team, you kind of like those those features a little bit more. Um, while we're in football, let's do this uh, quickly. This Bud Ri- Budweiser ad. A lot of people are saying this is Trump related. It's about immigrants. Do you think? <laughs> Stop it. I saw this last night. I watched it last night. Give it a watch. Tell me All what right. you think. All right. You don't look like you're from around here. Warum bist du aus Deutschland? I want to brew a beer. Welcome to America. You got one here. Look back home. Can't brew beer in Germany? Can you give me a little bit? Welcome to St. Louis, son. Beer for my friend, please. Thank you. But next time, this is the beer we drink. Eberhard Denheiser. Dorfus Busch. And that's how they met. That's how they met. See, that has nothing to do with come that. On. Come on. They're talking about, first of all, he, uh, he comes into the country legally. Uh, okay. Uh, amazingly, he comes into Great the country point. legally uh, through Ellis Island, stamped. Hello. Yeah, I want to brew beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're like, yes, we need beer here. Okay. The times he, are rough. We don't have electricity tra- yet. You're in. <laughs> right. He travels across. People are struggling all over America. And then he finds a place where some guy says, hey, welcome to St. Louis. Somebody likes me. I guess I'll stay here. That's what America's about. I oh, like yeah? this place. I'll stay here. And uh, I don't Come know if on. you've seen any alt-right posts. They're not opposed to German immigrants. <laughs> they're, they're actually... <laughs> <laughs> they actually want a lot more Germans here. Huh. Uh, Wait. So, no, actually, this has nothing to do Come with on. Donald Trump at all. All right, it's let's just... take a break. We got Because we have spoons, Jeffy. I, I don't want to oh, interrupt you. But, uh, spoons is on the... On, we have two types of Girl Scout cookie Why cereal. Are still talking? We have spoons. Why are still talking? Break! Go to commercial! Go! Go! All right, we're super short on time here, so we can't have Jeffy's rant about why this is skim milk and not or 2% instead 2%, of whole. 2%, Stu, 2%. Uh, uh, Brad has joined us uh, to Vanna White, the products we're trying today. Uh, this is uh, caramel crunch and thin mint cereal from the Girl Scouts. Stu's having caramel, I'm having caramel. Now, uh, yes, that's right. Um, now, uh, caramel crunch is supposed to, uh, you want to, uh, 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 is supposed to simulate um, uh, the Samoa's cookie, which are now called something else because Samoa's oh, is offensive yeah, yeah, or something. Offensive. Oh, yes, um, it is. And that then, is offensive. It is offensive. To somebody. And then Thin Mints. Well, they're Thin Mints. Now, so we start with caramel? You want to try that? First? Sure. All right, so the Caramel Crunch uh, is, you know. Are you trying, Brad? I am. Yeah, so Jeff Brad's going to try it, too. See. Straight out of the box. Not bad. It's not bad, but it's not very reminiscent of Samoa's. Mm-mm. It's just a caramel Stop cereal. Stop saying that word. 
Thank you. It's just a caramel cereal, which is good. He said it again. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not a Samoa. It's no. just, you no, don't it get the chocolate not. in there. It's just a. It's just kind of a, a caramel leaning cereal. Right. Right. It looks like that? little. It looks yeah. like little mini oh. donuts mm -hmm. on the box. Now the thin mint cereal, I can smell just from pouring it. It smells like thin mint. It does smell really good, like thin mint. No question. But it tastes. Mmm. That's not bad. It's okay. It's not bad. That would make a good snack, even out of the box. They would. Like chocolate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd say both of these for me, maybe a 12, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I don't know, one to 18 scale. It'd probably be better with, uh, you know, real milk. <laughs> if you make another freaking milk <laughs> reference on this show, you know.